Good. I don't know what you're talking about. It's actually working this time. This is, this is the, <laughs> the one and only episode of the Wednesday Connect stream. Uh, and, the one and only. Yeah. There has never been an, another Wednesday episode. Uh, never yeah. Weekend. Yeah. yeah. And I know we're starting really late. We, we were going to start at 1.45 and now we're starting at 2.15 and nothing else happened in between those points. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, and hello everybody in chat. They're all, everyone's already starting. Uh, Log, I don't know what you mean take two. This is, this is take one. We are, we're, yeah. This is take one. There, there was never another take that happened. Me and Q are one take kings. We only ever need one take. <laughs> That's uh, right. Yeah. Um, so no, I was going to ask you yeah, the you know the um, zero time around, uh, how things are going with uh, your paper, uh, you know your thoughts on the, uh, the new parliament that just dropped, uh, you know especially where it comes to uh, foreign policy in Canada, and if there's any other thoughts in, with regards to uh, you know the the, uh, the, the current uh, makeup of the Trudeau government, um, anything that's happening, uh, foreign policy wise, what has to do with uh, Cuba, whether it has to do with Nicaragua, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, uh, well, I don't know if this is this is foreign policy, but the, the, the stuff about um, uh, with the the uh, the minister of defense, how they've they've right. switched him out, and I think I think Sejan got a bit of a raw deal. I would like I've been interviewing this lady named uh, Captain Sandra Perron. She was like the first female infantry officer in Canada, um, and like her take on it was that like. The fact that there's all of these stories is a sign of progress. Like it's it's that we, there's finally sort of an atmosphere where women maybe not feel comfortable, but they're actually going to go out and say st stuff about it. Um, and I think uh, it's just going to be continue to be like that. So I don't I don't know. I like you cover the foreign policy stuff. I'm a, I, I do local newspaper stuff, so we don't really discuss much of it except for like Sophie Chattel, who's the new. Um, yeah, uh, MP for the Pontiac. Uh, after uh, uh, Will Amos's unfortunate little stint with the webcams, uh, he she's she was with the OECD, so she was like the, one of the ones working on that whole uh, taxing like international uh, uh, media corporations and stuff, like a fifteen percent flat tax, like globally. Um, so that's the closest thing I get to covering sort of foreign affairs. Um, and then municipal elections are just over. So we're speaking to mm -hmm. all of the, the new guys, like all of the mayors in our uh, MRC, including the warden. They're all dudes now. So that's a, that's a whole new uh, narrative going on. If all the female mayors and warden have been replaced with dudes. Um, yeah, but you're, you're, you're the one making the leading question. So I'll throw it back to you. Uh, you, you, I know you, you are not uh, super pleased with uh, Mill and Jolie. <laughs> Jolly Melanie Jolie. Uh, no, not so far. So Melanie Jolie. Um, but Jolie. Uh, no, I'm, I'm Melanie Jolie, who uh, who previously ran for mayor of Montreal, um, did not win. And uh, sorry, yeah, we... we're both in Ontario. We should we should explain our geographically in Ontario. We're both uh, Ontario boys. I'm in our uh, nation's capital, Ottawa. Yeah. Uh, so I'm you know I'm out in the Toronto area. Stu is in the Ottawa area, like uh, right 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 at the uh, the bowels of hell. You know, right right at that hell mouth. And, uh, yeah. you know, I, you, you see a lot more of the comings and goings um, than I do. I mean, for example, like you were able to get an interview with the uh, you were able to get an interview with the liberal MP um, that flash, flashed Zoom meetings, mm -hmm. not once, but twice, like just completely butt naked. And, yeah. you know, you have that ability because you're all the way out there and I'm all the way over here. Yeah. Um, the first time he did it, he gave three interviews, one to Canadian press, one to La Press and one to me. 
because I just would not stop yeah. hounding him. And I know his, uh, his like uh, PR guy personally, not PR guy, but his communications guy. Well, I mean, it's the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretty much the same role regardless. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, you know, you, you, so you've got, uh, I guess, like a better eye to the ground than I do. Um, but I, all, I, all I can see is that, uh, uh, you know, as far as our, our foreign policy is concerned, um, it's pretty much the same as under uh, Philippe Champagne. It's the same as under uh, Christian Freeland, which is, you know, uh, imperialism by any other name. Uh, we call it, you know, uh, peacekeeping or have previously called it peacemaking mm-hmm. uh we generally like to think of ourselves as the nice guys that will step in and facilitate um and broker uh peace deal between uh warring factions the problem is that there's mm-hmm. never been a time where canada has been uh, impartial as to those affairs so we've had for example um now we've, we've had the military in somalia and that uh resulted in, in a disastrous uh end to an entire uh, Air Force regiment. Uh, we had uh, we facilitated the kidnapping of uh, Jean Baptiste Harry Steed in in Haiti, and uh, mm-hmm. you know along with that facilitated the introduction of literal death squads um, under the uh, the mandate of the uh, the MINUSTA program uh, mandated by the UN. Uh, whereas you know there was uh, forces that uh, came in from Brazil that were previously uh, doing work suppressing um, you know rebellions and possible you know drug trafficking and other sort of crimes. In the Brazilian favelas, and uh, what they ended up doing then is is taking uh, the tactics tactics that they had learned, um, perfecting them in Haiti, and then returning them to Brazil. And as a matter of fact, uh, many people that were in uh, that armed forces squadron in Brazil ended up returning to, or sorry, the armed forces squadron that went to uh, to Haiti uh, to facilitate the uh, the Minusta program ended up returning to Brazil and aiding in the rise of uh, Bolsonaro's regime. So even though they mm-hmm. were uh, uh, built up under uh, Ignacio Lula da Silva. They ended up turning against him later on and facilitating the rise of uh, Jair Bolsonaro. Uh, so, you know, there's the, the kind of work that Canada has done as far as foreign policy has been an utter disaster for the global south. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I don't see any breakaway from that, especially with the fact that uh, Melanie Jolie, um, you know, as soon as the Nicaraguan elections were announced, uh, denounced the elections as being illegitimate, uh, lacking credibility, and uh, standing in lockstep with the OAS. And as you know, the OAS was the organization that declared uh, Bolivia's, uh, not the last election, but the uh, the previous one, where uh, Evo Morales won an overwhelming victory, uh, declared that illegitimate. Shout out Justin Ling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shout out to Justin Ling. Uh, declared it illegitimate and facilitated the rise of, uh, you know, fascist coupist, uh Hanin Añez. Uh, who is now actually standing trial for uh, for crimes against humanity during her tenure as the uh, the coolest uh, leader of, or the mm-hmm. coolest president of Bolivia? So you know we haven't apologized for any of that. We haven't gone back on any of that. I don't think that there's going to be any intention of even acknowledging our role in facilitating other human rights disasters. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, I, I see Melanie Jolie as just sort of a a, a puppet uh, for the uh, the will of Christian Freeland, who has been uh, nothing if not um, boisterous in her embrace of neo Nazis in Ukraine. So. Good times. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know, and there's you've sort of bristled too, where people like to almost give Canada a bit of an out, saying, "Oh, I wish we wouldn't be such lapdogs of U.S. foreign policy." But in a lot of these cases, it's Canada's following its own interest, and in some cases, like taking its own initiative. Right. Um, right. And uh, well, that's the thing is, you know, as as often as if not more. Um, Canada has taken the lead on, uh, you know, imperialist, um, imperialist strategy in the global south. I mean, 
you know, our mining companies are connected to you know, human rights atrocities all across the global south, especially in Latin America and Africa, where, you know, the, the, the highest number of mines that are owned in Africa are Canadian mining interests. So, you know, we, we have a foreign policy that is entirely bent on resource extraction, is entirely bent on uh, the exploitation of uh, labor and natural resources in, in the global south. Um, but somehow we've got a good enough PR machine that people say that we're Americans, but we're Americans, but without mm-hmm. all of the uh, the patriotism, the Yankeeism, the chauvinism, and all that. We're, we're nicer. We're yeah. nicer Americans. Yeah. Well, I mean, you have to consider Americans nice in the first place to be nicer. You know, that's how superlatives work. But yeah, you know, unfortunately, um, yeah, we our, our human rights record is uh, not under question, not under investigation. But if you, for example, were to go to uh, miningwatch.ca. You know, they have plenty of examples of Canadian mining interests, as I said, committing like multiple human rights atrocities um, all throughout the global south. As a matter of fact, um, I'm, you know, right now speaking to, uh, you know what, I'm not going to get too far into it because I'd, I'd like it for it to be a surprise. But I'm speaking to people in Brazil right now um, with regards to, you know, how, how far Canada's uh, mining interests reach, um, how it's warping policy in Brazil. And what it's doing to people who are, you know, uh, everyone from indigenous land protesters to environmentalists to just regular left-wing activists. Uh, and how Speaking our, of people our, in Brazil, always got to plug yeah. that other podcast. God damn it. Oh, yeah, yeah. What, the, uh, the Unredacted podcast? <laughs> yeah, <I'm> just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the podcast that everybody's mad at me for and I really couldn't give a shit. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think we covered um, that enough in depth last time. Yeah, I think we 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 definitely you know have said enough about that, and we know that um, I'm I'm very much looking forward to it. But yeah, you know if you and none of this should be surprising. I mean, somebody in in chat uh, said that if you read uh, neocolonialism, the highest stage of imperialism by uh, Kwame Nkrumah, you know, Canada gets a lot of mentions. Canada gets uh, multiple shoutouts uh, in that in that piece of work. You know, and uh, in in like retrospect, yeah, you know, reading people like Walter Rodney, uh, Kwame Nkrumah, Ahmed Sekoutoure, um uh, oh my gosh, I'm going to, I'm going to Cabral, you know, reading their works and they've um, continually talked about uh, the, uh, the conflicts that, that occur um, on the African continent, but across the global South broadly, not being conflicts of ethnicity and, and uh, conflicts over land rights, et cetera. Uh, but they're almost entirely class, class conflicts that are uh, like uh, um you know, echo effects or satellites of imperialistic hegemony. You know, there's, there's always one class of people or one group of people that's pitted against the other, not in terms of their their ethnic interests, but in terms of, uh, you know, which one is going to be uh, rewarded for being the most corrupt and willing to, um, you know, allow the uh, the West to, uh, to come in and exploit natural resources at the lowest cost. You know, as uh, Michael Brown um, says, yeah. as Michael Prenti has said, you know, most countries are rich. You know, you don't, you don't go into poor countries to make money. You go into rich countries. You know, it's not that these countries are poor. These countries are rich. It's only the people that are poor. Yeah. Shout out Madonna. <laughs> I know you saw that video. You, that was, you were like basically just, just. Uh... No, no, that wasn't Madonna. That was Cher. Oh, Cher. Yeah. 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 Madonna's Sorry. politics are terrible. You know, she, she likes to, she basically like picks it. up adopted children, like Pokemon cards. Uh, from every country that you can. Oh, what was that one guy's tweet where it's like, uh, show that you're rich without uh, show, telling us that Showing you're that rich? You're, yeah, yeah, you're rich. And he's, yeah, exactly. He's got, uh, he's got uh, like an Asian kid. He's got a white kid, which I can only assume came from Eastern Europe. And he's got a black kid. It's like, all right, well, find yourself a Latin American and <laughs> that- a South Asian kid and you've completed the whole deck. 
That would be funny because I mean, like, I guess my sort of I assumed that the white baby was at least at least that one was theirs. But it would be very funny if all three of them are adopted. They're just trying I to collect the affinity, infinity stones of uh, like <laughs> racial adoption. Uh, but yeah, we're... speaking of the legacy of imperialism, we're going to shift into our newest segment, uh, the culture for kids um, with uh, with the CBC explaining uh, oh whether or not we should give land back to indigenous people. Why or why not? Because I thought this was... Hey, well, by the way, I just want to, I, I just want uh, to flag something real quick, which is that um, if you want to participate in the conversation and you want to speak to Stu and myself, uh, some people may be aware that um, I'm, I'm now, uh, we have a contract uh, with Colin, uh, that is the, uh, the Get Colin app. And if you want to hop into the conversation and uh, chat with us, uh, if you check out my tweet, um, you know, I said I'm, I'm on the culture.tv cast with left hand Stu on Get Colin. So if you download the Colin app, and right now it's limited to iOS devices. So if you have an iPhone or an iPad, um, unfortunately, it's not available on Android yet. Uh, the development process for Android devices always takes longer because they use Java, whereas you know, iOS devices use uh, Swift, which is a lot faster and easier to develop for. So for right now, if you have an iOS device and you download the Colin app, you can actually find the culture.tv uh, podcast on Colin. And if you want to hop in and have a conversation with us, just like hop right into the room, uh, put your hand up, let us know that you want to be called in or tagged in to have a conversation with us on any topic that we're talking about today. And uh, yeah, we can, we can have you up on stream. Sorry, go ahead, Stu. No, I just got, I just want to Malibar Mars, just, just this, the call back to the last thing. You got to, you can have enough land. Oh God. Yeah, but, and by the way, you know, it's not, it's not, listen, it is not bourgeois to have an iPhone, okay? <laughs> you know, that's, that's like saying, that's like saying that, uh, you know, having a Samsung Galaxy 10, like I have, that is proletariat. If you, if you saw the specs and the price of the Samsung Galaxy 10 when I picked it up, that is definitely not a proletarian instrument. Uh, but it is not, I'm sorry, it's not, it is not, okay? They're both, uh, I'm not going to get into, I'm not going to, I'm not going to turn our consumer preferences into a political dimension. It's just not going to happen here. Uh, but yeah, if you have... Uh, yet you participate in society. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, you, you denounce society, yet you participate in it. In it. Uh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, regardless. If you have an iOS device, just download the Colin app, find the culture.tv room, and hop in if you want to have a conversation with us. But yeah, sorry, go ahead, Stu. All right, let's let's read through this. Because I, I think trying to explain this very difficult subject to children is a noble endeavor. But I'll let you guys, everyone listening, be the judge of how well they do. So should land be given back to indigenous people? That's the question of the week. We've all heard about land acknowledgments in school, recognizing and honoring the land known as Canada that was originally occupied by indigenous people. What about giving that land back? It's something that some experts and politicians mm -hmm. are suggesting non-indigenous people do in order to heal the broken relationship between First Nations and Inuit and non-indigenous people. Uh, so... There's like there's a video down at the bottom, but I just want there's one there's one framing that I think was uh, particularly interesting. Um, so, uh, country known as Canada was originally inhabited by indigenous people, many of whom entered into treaty agreements with non-indigenous people. These treaties meant indigenous people lost their land and many of their rights in exchange for money and other privileges. Today, many of the treaties are being challenged by indigenous people who say the agreements weren't honored fairly. So just sort of saying like, well, they agreed to this. And it's just that now they're coming back and saying that they may have been unfair. Um, so it's like, so does that mean non-Indigenous people in Canada would have to give up their land, homes, and businesses? Some experts say it's a start. 
Uh, and it's like, <laughs> I think that, I don't know if that's the best message to be sending to children. I don't know if they'll be able to uh, to uh, consume that properly. But we'll we'll watch this sort of video that yeah. they have set up for the kids, for the little kitties. Actually, I should make sure I have, so we don't have another boomer moment. Make sure the audio's uh, correct. Uh, so we're going to stop. Right, share. So now... <laughs> yeah, yeah. make sure yeah, that's not the audio. Yeah, because go. I made sure it was working properly. All right. Oh, so it's working. It is work. I see how it's working on Colin. That's it. All good. Okay, so I what what I'm curious about on this uh, this lineback on um, this lineback segment in which. Unfortunately, until we uh, until we get everything figured out as far as like uh, sounds to make sure that we can transmit um, you know audio and our microphones into call and you know it is what it is. Uh, but uh, the one thing that, that interests me is why would this conversation need to be had with children? First of all, I mean like, they do why, ask why this, questions. Why is this kids? I mean, I I don't think that they're like I think I I'm I'm a big uh, advocate of children's education. I think I don't think it's ever too young to try and tackle like big issues if it's done correctly i'm not saying that this is doing it correctly right uh but like kids listen they listen to a lot of shit when you even when you don't think and i'm sure you know this so they probably heard the term and maybe asked what it is and like they're i don't know having some sort of answer for them i don't think is a is a terrible idea um yeah two thousand cool kids um but yeah all right, go, go ahead. Actually, no, go ahead and play the video and I'll find, I'll, I'll actually figure out how, to, I just figured out how to pipe it into the calling room. So you can go ahead. I thought it was doing it. No, no, no. It's only, uh, it's only uh, going into our, never mind. It's only going to go into the uh, speakers on Twitch, but I got I'm going to pipe it in right now. Has been broken because of land, land theft. Um, and it's time to give land back. But is giving land back possible? Aiden King, Anishinaabe professor of Indigenous Education, says giving the land back is possible. In fact, it's already happening. Tom Flanagan, who works for a research organization called the Fraser Institute, says another possible solution would be to child child abuse, child, child abuse. abuse, even making <laughs> like it, making child yeah, making a child even like partially aware of what the Fraser Institute is or what their opinions are is abuse, and especially <laughs> this dude. Yeah. Like where was okay? Here's my here's my other here's my other question. Here's my other question. Um. Oh, somebody just asked it in chat too. Is the lady who's speaking right now is she indigenous? I don't know. I don't know. We can go and look that up. But I I, I am not quite sure whether or not she is indigenous. But the fact that uh, a, uh, they are playing anything to children, uh, that is communicating an opinion information from the Fraser Institute that is mass child abuse to begin with. Second. Uh, do you know who Tom Flanagan is? Mm -hmm. you, okay, so <laughs> Tom Flanagan actually got fired from the Harper government. Uh, from uh, he got fired from the Harper government for insinuating that uh, child pornography does not actually harm children. I don't know if you remember that. To be to, to be just 
because I got to be a pedant. He specifically said viewing child pornography. Viewing child harmful. pornography is not harmful to children. My bad. Yeah. So just, just, I, I know, just yeah. we got to, we got to, whatever, Iron Man, the, the shit or whatever. But Steel Man, that's the one, not Iron Man. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, did you see the uh, the interview that he had on? It was, I believe it was on CBC. And he had this gigantic, um, like it was, it was a bison, it was a bison fur sweater or a bison fur jacket. Yeah. Okay. And yeah, the jacket. Looked like- it was humongous. It was like it was like four times as large as it needed to be on him. His head. He looked. Do you remember uh, the movie Beetlejuice? Right when he was uh, when um, the uh, uh, when the Maitland couple are in the in, in like the waiting room for the dead, you know, to uh, to see their advisor. Okay, and there was the, the yeah. one dude who was sitting in the waiting room, right? And he had a shrunken head, like he was wearing like a uh, uh, you know like a uh, like a, like a, like an English jungle adventurer's yeah. outfit, but his head was shrunken. Tom Flanagan looked exactly like that. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna go find this and pull it up on the chat so we can actually see it. He looked like he looked like the agent the bank would send to like a gold mine in like Alaska <laughs> in like the 1800s when they would have the big fucking coats because they're not used. They're just they're they're city slickers. So they're not used to the cold up. The yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna share this real quick. One sec. It is, it is like the most ridiculous outfit okay. I've ever seen somebody wear on live television. Um, and I've worn some, I've worn some uh, flamboyant outfits, but here's homeboy, okay, uh, in a bison, in a bison coat, is uh, being interviewed on why exactly he would say that it's not harmful to children to view child pornography. The weirdest, like it was the weirdest turn of events that I've ever seen happen. It doesn't surprise me that he ended up landing with the Fraser Institute. That seems to be like the, uh, you know, it's like the, the Fraser Institute is the grease trap for failed politicians and, uh, you know, PR agents. It's basically just, it's it's a think tank for the damned, yeah. right? So the fact that he ended up there after his uh, disastrous turn of events with the Harper government doesn't surprise me at all. But what does surprise me is that CBC, knowing all of this, because this was the CBC interview uh, where he was wearing this ridiculous jacket, it surprises me that CBC would actually turn to him on a kid's show, on a ch- on a show intended for children, and ask him for his opinion on Landak. That is weird. As a matter of fact, hey, yo, somebody, somebody, please go find this. Go find this image, okay? Fucking clip it so that we can use it for an emote for this channel. That's how little I think of it. All right. Yes, yeah. that's, we are okay, okay, I, definitely if, using if, it for you, emotes. If, yeah. If some, if you guys don't do it, I'm doing it. I, like, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> please, so good. That's please do. Happen. All right. I'm, Was I'm, there I'm, ever I'm, an explanation yeah, for crap. that? For why he was wearing that no, coat? He never, no, he never explained it. He never explained it. He just, you know, no. did it like it was just normal shit to do. All right. Well, I'll just start it, but skip it back a little bit, just so everyone, everyone can take in the sure can take. full stream. The Fraser Institute says another possible solution would be to give First Nations communities greater rights over government or crown land. The narrative that Canada's spinning. Hey, yo, pause for a second. Pause for one second. Pause for one second. Uh, mm-hmm. Are you running this at two and a half speed, or is Am that I? just her? No- sh- is it, or is that her normal speaking? Oh uh, no, one point five. That's okay, bad. I was gonna say yeah. nobody speaks that fast. I watch me. I don't speak. I watch fast. videos like a psychopath on YouTube, so I put them at one point five so <laughs> I can consume more content at all times. Oh uh, yeah, we'll skip back. A no, little go bit ahead. So, oh, and is gone, and you're never going to get it back. Is is wrong? It's false. It's a lie. The myth. <laughs> This is where 37 million Canadians who are not of First Nation ancestry live and pursue their livelihoods. Where are they supposed to go if their land is now taken away? 
to really understand what land back means, we need to understand why Indigenous people want land back to begin with. It's about history, treaties, and consent. They met indigenous people and there was a fur trade and treaties were made and, and everything, everything got along well. And, and uh, out of those treaties, indigenous people agreed to give all the land to Canadians. And, you know, next thing you know, there's this this country and all these provinces. And, and, uh, and that's that. But that's not the story that indigenous people know. The story that indigenous people know is settlers coming and tricking Indigenous people, negotiating treaties, and then writing down versions that weren't agreed to. A treaty is an agreement between Indigenous and non-Indigenous oh. people. Many different kinds of treaties were negotiated when settlers first came to what is now known as Canada. Today, many of the treaties are being challenged by Indigenous peoples who say the agreements weren't honored fairly. Experts say we are all treaty people meaning not just Indigenous peoples entered into these agreements, so did settlers. So it seems like one of the roots of the land back movement is acknowledging that settlers have benefited from Indigenous lands. If you're, if you're going to go into Indigenous territories, whether it's a treaty or non-treaty area, let's just work to get the consent of, of the Indigenous people affected. And those communities can define what consent means to them, to see if land back is possible, I interviewed a woman from Ontario who's trying to get her land back to the local First Nations community. Stealing land is at the heart of colonization, right? And that giving the land back is, I believe, the only way that we're going to have true reconciliation between Indigenous peoples and settlers coming forward in this country. It's been more complicated than she first thought. This is a really costly process. There's a lot of legal costs involved. It takes a long time. I've been told it's 20 years it could take. It's a minimum. So you've got to be in it for the long haul. But she still thinks her decision to give land back is 100% worth it with no regrets. I don't think it is for me to say that every settler should do this. And particularly, I think until there is maybe a structure to make it easier for everyone. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of money, a lot of time, and um, it's not necessarily what the local Indigenous community would want. In talking to experts, it's clear that right now there's no consensus on land back. What it is, where it's going, yet. So whose job is it to decide? Individual landowners, the government, Indigenous peoples? And you might find yourself saying, It's the last one. It's the last one. It's the last one. Save your time. In a word, it's complicated. Knowing the history of the land you're on, acknowledging it, and trying to do better by listening to and working with Indigenous peoples is a good place to start. This has been Can Explains Land Back. For CBC Kids News, I'm Isabel DeRoy Olson. Chimi Gletch, bye. Okay, I'm assuming by the virtue of the fact oh. that you said uh, Chimi Gletch which is uh, Anishinaabe for, um, like you said, you know, it's a greeting and, and a goodbye. Uh, I would assume that she's probably Anishinaabe. But I she's, I, I mean, I don't do, I, she might have, I mean, she didn't, she, she didn't have these earrings on for the video. And now they're on for her to explain where she got her information from. So she might be about to explain that if we want to just, if we want to listen just a little bit. Okay. She might not. Oh, 
The Conservative Party of Canada, Tom Flanagan, and Minister Mark Canada, Tom. she interviewed. Okay. Uh, that's, again, still pretty wild to me that Tom Flanagan would be um, in this conversation at all. Well, I, I don't know. Like, because I feel like, I de- like, I don't know. I don't want to undermine her journalistic credentials, but I, I would assume they're probably just given people to, that, to speak to or like from the CBC's sort of Rolodex of, of, of quote unquote experts. Hold on, hold on. Hang on a second. So, uh, so hold up. This is uh, the Yellowhead Institute TVO Briar Patch, which, okay, that's, I mean, that's acceptable. Uh, CBC uh, OISI, uh, that is uh, the U of T Ontario Institute for Studies and Education, APTN, Aboriginal People's Television Network, Globe and Mail, Teen Vogue, David Suzuki Foundation, and then the National Post and the Fraser Institute. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, got to hear all sides. Got to hear all sides. You know, the most interesting part to me uh, in, in this discussion is that, like, um, there is no both sides. You know, what I mean? like, there's simply the there's simply the fact that treaties were broken and, and not abiding by the terms of the treaties that not only did we sign those treaties um, after having altered them without the permission of the First Nations that we were negotiating. When I say we, I'm talking about like you know, Canadian settlers. I have shit to do with none of that. But mm-hmm. the, the fact that, uh, you know, those those treaty terms were misrepresented to the First Nations that they were uh, proposed to in the first place, altered once they got to Ottawa, um, signed. And as a matter of fact, in the, in the case of the Stoneport Treaty, it was never actually really, quote unquote, signed by that First Nation. We couldn't even abide by the terms that were altered in favor of the Dominion of Canada, (laughs) which was always wild to me. Uh, It was never intended to be, we give you uh, these goods. Uh, I don't think the Stoneford Treaty actually involved an exchange of money. It was just, it was, it was uh, goods uh, that were provided um, to those First Nations. And uh, in exchange for that, at least what uh, the Ojibwe people thought um, during the uh, the signing of the treaty was that there was going to be shared use. Like, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the concept of use of root in law, but that is like the uh, the fruits of the land or the uh, the bounty of the land is shared between uh, the groups of people that have signed that treaty. Uh, But what uh, Mm -hmm. Canadians instead thought that or took it to mean or intended for it to mean is that we give you these goods and we take the land. And that is that that's 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 a clean deal. Um, but seeing as how ownership of land was a foreign, because the idea of owning land is like owning kin, you know what I mean? There was just no, uh, mm-hmm. there was no, there was no concept of uh, one group simply taking possession of land and then having exclusive use to it, and another essentially being kicked off that land. Uh, so even though we completely altered the terms into uh, a sense of land ownership and, and privatization. That was completely foreign to these groups in the first place. We still can't abide by the 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 uh, altered terms that we yeah. we created. And a lot of them, like from the like the First Nations perspective, that when they're signing them, they like thought they'd be sort of like timed leases, basically too. Like you sign these right. and you get to use it for however much time, and then after that, you it returns back to neutral, or you come back and we re- renegotiate, basically. But the like we were just like oh no right. you signed this now it's ours in infinite ad or forever basically and we don't have to give it back ever right right yeah and as uh you know malabar marxist that's our our, uh, our good friend uh, nigel points out you know enclosure didn't happen the the, the concept of enclosure that is the you know the um uh, like the the middle ages concept of you know ownership of land uh transferring from the crown to private hands that didn't exist until 
uh, settlers came from Europe to Turtle Island, uh, began introducing that concept mm -hmm. and uh, land, land privatization and predation on land and the people on it. Um, that was introduced by us. It, you know, people say often that, like, you know, there were, uh, you know, there were wars of conquest. There was conflicts long before Europeans ever set foot on North American soil, which, yes, that's true. There, there were, there's always going to be conflict between disparate groups. But the uh, the means by which anybody is able to uh, capture, uh, you know, property, lands, means of production, et cetera, that was brand new. That was that was brought to Turtle Island by settlers. That didn't that didn't mm -hmm. exist previously. At least not not for the cultures that were indigenous to what we now call Canada um, prior to European arrival. May have existed in some senses in uh, cultures in what we call you know to current day South America. Which is a whole other kettle of fish, and we can always speak with you know indigenous scholars that specialize in that area. But as far as North America is concerned, no, that it didn't it didn't work that way. Mm -hmm. And for uh, whenever I hear people like getting uh, scared or concerned or worried about land back, I just well I want to see your deed. Show me the land that you own that you are concerned right. might be given back. Because if you're in a one-bedroom rented apartment, <laughs> get out of my face. I don't want to hear it because you have nothing to be yeah. worried about. Yeah, that's the other thing, too, is when people think of land back, they tend to go with the Eurocentric concept of whatever land back has taken to mean, which mm -hmm. is pogroms, right? Uh, whenever whenever yeah. Europeans get into the concept of land back, it's it's always expulsion of, of groups, expulsion of minorities. And I think, uh, for the most part, what what people fear isn't uh, like either resuming uh, the original concept of relationships with land that indigenous people had before the arrival of Europeans. I think what they're worried about is that they know they deserve the fucking worst and having it visited upon them by people that they've yeah. been oppressing and genociding for generations that, uh, you know, turn about as fair play. But the funny thing about that is that's a very similar argument because, um, you know, I've, I've heard that that is equivalent to white genocide. Now, many, many people and I'm embarrassed to say people on the quote unquote left have said that, that, uh, you know, I've heard that from like super online anarchists. I've heard that from people who, you know, call themselves Marxist, Leninist, et cetera, that, uh, you know, land back is a would be a genocidal movement because it's it's going to result in expatriation and possibly the extirpation of people. Um, from land that they considered theirs or property mm -hmm. that they were considered to have owned previously, or like simple, like mass forced um, emigration. But that all that is, is really, uh, it's, a re it's a mirror reflection. It's like uh, the evil or the, uh, uh, the inverse yeah. of what they did in the first place. And like some people say it's, it's, that's a sort of a, like a, a white guilt thing, but I think that's more of a, it's, it's not a guilt thing. It's, it, it makes, them feel better almost in, in a reverse kind of way because it's well it's not that we did anything uniquely horrific yeah. it's just we did it first and if we gave the mm -hmm. land back to the indigenous people they just do the same thing to us that we did so that makes what we did not as bad it's just the natural order of things this is also a um it's a similar argument to uh and this this was uh um after the uh, the haitian revolution um this was actually like the biggest fear uh, that anti-abolitionists used to uh, to to squelch abolition movements, which is well, if you give them the uh, the the uh, amount of self-determination that they're asking for, they're simply going to wipe us out. So after, uh, I mean, during the course of the Haitian Revolution, mm -hmm. I mean, it was a bloody revolution. Let's not let's not get it twisted. Uh, you know, there there were. It's a revolution. It is a revolution. I mean, you know, thousands upon thousands of landowners died in the course of that. Uh, 
the uh, the you know the French invading armies as well as the uh, mercenaries that they hired to invade Haiti and uh, put down this rebellion. I mean, they died in droves, not simply due to uh, you know the tactical genius of uh, you know the, uh, the the generals of uh, Toussaint Louverture, but also due to the fact that many of them were not had not previously been exposed to or inoculated from uh, diseases endemic to the Caribbean, which were carried over from West Africa. So, for example, the yellow fever and malaria. Uh, when when uh, uh, troops who had just come from wars overseas in Europe, uh, the Crimean War, etc., when when they hired themselves out as mercenaries for the French um, and came to Haiti to help put down the revolution, they they died by the thousands, uh, especially due to, as I said, yellow fever and malaria. And uh, when the British, um, under uh, under uh, Henry Dundas, who at the same time, by the way, at the same time that um, uh, that uh, there was an, a, an abolitionist movement sweeping the European Parliament and the uh, the the, uh, the British, sorry, the European, the British Parliament and the uh, the British bourgeois. Uh, who did consider themselves abolitionists were on the one hand supporting abolition in uh, British colonies, but also supporting the squelching of a slave rebellion in Haiti. Uh, and they also hired mercenaries and floated ships over to Haiti uh, and invaded the island. Uh, back then it was known as mm-hmm. Saint-Domingue to put down this rebellion. Um, and they also died. And they, they died by so many thousands that it actually weakened um, Britain's position during the uh, the Seven Years' War, but uh, you know the the the, uh, the death of uh, you know tens of thousands of Europeans and the the failed attempt to put down the Haitian Revolution, and also the death of thousands of uh, French uh, settlers in what was then what then became Haiti, which some people consider a genocide, and the reason that you and I know each other is because I very much do not. <laughs> uh, you know they 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 <laughs> assume that. The, the fate of the uh, the French after the uh, the Haitian Revolution will be the, the fate of all European-descended people should land back occur. Mm-hmm. And and this is going to be kind of a, a weird, like, counterfactual comparison. But in the way that land back is sort of an undoing of, of like, an, a colonization in, in that it's a, a revolution reverting back to the, the original owners in, like, Haiti. But the American mm-hmm. Revolution, where it's, a, it's just a revolution forward to a new... Uh, like oppressor and ruler, but the Americans didn't just start mass slaughtering the English when they won that war. I don't think they mm-hmm. th- there was like most of them just started living in America, what would, was now America. So it, it's it's basically right. there's I don't I've, I haven't really heard any sort of historical or they're all what if examples of well, what if this happens? They can never point to and any time in history where it has actually right. happened in the like in that situation. Right. What if they were? What if they were to do? Well, I mean, part of the reason. For what if indigenous people you know, did the rumbling from Attack on Titan as soon as they did land back? They all turn into <laughs> thousand foot tall giants and crush everything in Canada until it's back to the state of nature. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, but that being said, I, I just find it really interesting. I, I find it interesting that, uh, you know, the both sides view had to come from the National Post and the Fraser Institute, which, as I said, again, is this, it's basically like the Grease Trap mm-hmm. for Ottawa Fail Sons, like Ottawa Conservative Fail Sons. Uh, as a matter, oh, yeah, matter of I fact, did. I was talking to uh, Felix from Chapo the other day, and, you know, we, we both have this recurring thing where we uh, we have thoughts about you know, the, uh, the collapse of North America, what that would look like, you know, and, uh, uh, Felix says that he, he wishes to be the chancellor of the, uh, the Great Lakes region. 
which essentially would be led by not New York, but um, either Wisconsin or Minnesota. That one's kind of up in the air. And uh, the, mm-hmm. the, the, he would like to be the chancellor of uh, the Upper Great Lakes, um, which whose capital would be in Minnesota. And they would essentially be like the Germans who say what they want is uh, peace across the land and, you know, like a, a unified, uh, whether it's like a linguistic or ethnistic, uh, uh, they, they, what they want is a peaceful and unified nation. But what they really are is just a bunch of chauvinists. He would like to lead that charge. Um, I said that I would, I would actually uh, move out to the West and settle the uh, the great nation uh, or whatever the, uh, the, the, uh, the Pacific coastal region called themselves. I assume that the Haida people would rise up and take that over. Uh, so there would actually be land back um, all the way from like, uh, you know, mm-hmm. from uh, what would I, I would assume to be like uh, you pick in Dene territory uh, out by near what we call like Alaska, uh, Northwest territories, Yukon territories, et cetera. So, you know, all the way from, from way up there um, all the way down to probably about Washington state, possibly Oregon as well. Um, and whatever, you know, coastal territory or coastal nation um, they call themselves, um, I would very much like to be a part of that. Uh, the southwestern United States uh, would be uh, absorbed into the great state of Sinaloa. Uh, and everything between, you know, Washington State and probably about Wisconsin, you know, so like uh, Missouri and all those other important states, um, that just becomes like no man's land. You know, no, nobody's leaving that whatsoever. They're just like subject to, to raids on a regular basis, sort of the way that the, uh, the Zungars were during the, the Qing Dynasty. I'm going that's, full through it and getting apart. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 what I'm looking forward to, um, and that's what Landback is going to look like. Landback is essentially going to uh, to look like uh, you know uh, um, a breakup of of uh, territories that were formerly the United States and Canada, uh, and it being a uh, an ethnocentric and indigenous led uh, a, you know group of uh, warring territories that are uh, further and further encroaching into the uh, the United States Midwest and into the Canadian prairies. You know, so like the uh, the Cree folk would have like you know their their nation. Uh, you know the uh, the Mohawk and so forth would have their own nation, and everything else is like uh, scrapped for the uh, for the settlers to try and find it for themselves. That's what I'm looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we get we get uh, like a big strip of Alberta to do Mad Max. And <laughs> I feel like yeah, exactly. I feel like Albertans would be cool with that trade. Um, well, I mean, they're going to have access to. All of the access to the oceans that Albertans are talking about getting under Brexit, well, they would definitely have access to uh, to to both oceans because we're going to force them into it. <laughs> uh, that that all being said, I and also speaking of like you know the uh, the BC coastal region and uh, the uh, the oceans, what the hell is happening in British Columbia right now? Like apparently, listening to the news, like half of the province is underwater. Well, and like the island of Vancouver is almost entirely cut off from mainland Canada right now. Like some of the the pictures, I'm like, I'll just pull one up. Like some of these pictures don't they look like dioramas? In have you seen the, what Abbotsford looks like? Yes, the it's, whole fucking city is underwater. Do I have pictures of Abbotsford? Jesus, Christ. like that looks like a di- it's from a helicopter, so it looks makes it look small. But it's the whole the whole highway is just yeah. gone, washed right out. Yeah, the railroad is still. Hey, li- hey, does that not speak to? Yeah. I mean, that picture that you're pulling up right now, you know, mm-hmm. that speaks to my vision for the future, which is like the the great breaking up of roads and the elimination of uh, single passenger vehicles 
and the supremacy of high-speed rail. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Right? Like this is this was that barge this was is like it looks like it's out of a city runaway right barge. Now. Holy shit! Is this the yeah. is this Stanley Park? I think so. Uh, oh, it doesn't say it doesn't say which park it is, but I think so. Okay. Good God! I mean, the last time that I was huh. out there, I, I used to yeah it, yeah it is Stanley Park. The last time that I was out there, I would see those um, those barges just like you know chilling um, just off the uh, the shore. The idea of them being so far inland is like that's that's like day after tomorrow shit, right? Abbotsford. Yeah, here's Abbots, Abbotsford. Abbotsford. It looks like the ocean is reclaiming it. Yeah. Uh, uh, shout out to Haley uh, Runcevill. She's like, this is where you meet Vesemir and Witcher three. <laughs> That's so funny. No, it looks like uh, it looks like um, it looks like uh, um, that scene from uh, Aquaman where his brother, uh, his, yeah, where where his brother, yeah. uh, you know, sends that gigantic tidal wave upon the land and essentially warns the land dwellers that uh, you know Atlantis is coming to retake their land. Yeah, it, and it's just it's so much fucking water and like especially people in in Vancouver where it's just like a, they have to get basically just airlifted off of the island. Yeah, yeah. You know, like what's going to happen to Vancouver was, Island under these circumstances? They're saying it could take up take months to fix those highways to put those back together. Holy smokes! It's like it's just it's like it's like what if the whole island is just condemned now? Like you just no one goes back. Yeah, and so then my now um, I don't know if anybody in, in chat knows this. I, I mean, assume that we're doing a Canuck cast. I would hope that folks would, but Canada is the single largest producer of carbon dioxide, like greenhouse gases per capita, in the world. Like nobody outdoes us. You know, our our oil sands mm -hmm. project, like fantastic. And the other part is in Alberta. You know, they they've um, they've created such an uh, an economic incentive. And like a, group, a raft of financial subsidies towards the oil industry, that it's now excluding other possible—not even other possible avenues for energy, but other possible avenues for business. Period. For example, you know there was a report that just came out. I believe it was either yesterday or this morning um, that their uh, their tech sector is suffering because of all of the uh, the grants, subsidies, um, you know, tax uh, the preferential tax treatment that uh, tech companies were getting for settling in, in Alberta. And the problem with that is that companies like Bioware, for example, you know, did have a uh, previously uh, very favorable tax arrangement with uh, with the Albertan government under Rachel Notley. Uh, once, Kenny, once Jason Kenney came into power, he scrapped all of those tax incentives. So guess what happened to the tech companies? They up and left. And they landed it either uh, in Silicon Valley, New York, or Toronto for the most part. So, I mean, thanks, Jason Kenney. I'm very happy to, you know, be picking up or see like uh, Toronto-based developers picking up more work because you were short, so short-sighted. But it does make me feel very terribly for people that moved out to Alberta in the first place because when you have, let's say, primary industries like, say, oil extraction, generally mm -hmm. leads to you know secondary and tertiary industries that flow from that. And the problem with Alberta is that they are so uh, economically disincentivized from developing those secondary and tertiary industries because all of the tax incentives are going towards extractive industries that their economy is having a very difficult time growing yeah and i forget I, I, i'd have to go back for the numbers but it was either uh the last budget or two budgets ago in alberta where it was like he they 
to to justify the budget they're like well oil is going to be like twice as what twice what it is right now a barrel mm-hmm. and just immediately everyone's like that's not going to happen buddy and sure right. enough, it didn't even it's not that it didn't make it it's just it just went the other way and yeah. now they're like it's you can't it's not it, it that's it's the key the magic word of the day sustainable that's the thing it's not sustainable and you're running out of it um like uh i forget where it was yeah it's oh god this is another highway this is a different highway but uh where was it yeah so this is the the day that bc's the same day on uh, november 16th so yesterday that uh the to tie both of the things we were talking about together uh land back and uh climate change in bc yesterday was the day that uh the public safety minister uh, chose to call out uh, the wet sweat and land defenders, uh, call them criminals, uh, and to uh, say what a great thing the coastal gas link pipeline. It's is. not the. It's not their land. It's a land that's unbelievable. How can you call people who are defending their own land uh, from having a pipeline forced through it? How can you call them criminals? It's like if you. I don't know, wanted to uh, extend your backyard through my house, which does not belong to you. And I stand in front of the bulldozer that's about to smash my house down. And you say that I'm a criminal for standing in front of my house that you do not own as you're trying to, like, extend your backyard. This doesn't make any fucking sense to me. Well, the government would just do eminent domain. You're like, well, it's ours now. Well, you know, I'm talking about you as a private. It has nothing to do with the government, but you as a private owner. Like, you live adjacent to me, and you're trying to extend your backyard Mm -hmm. through my house. Nobody has said that you have permission to do this. Uh, but yeah, yeah, apparently, if you stand on your own, like if you stand on your own sovereign territory and stop people from putting uh, a gas pipeline through land that they do not own, it makes you a criminal. This is yeah, yeah, this is fucking wild. Still can't drive. Don't worry, I got, I got, uh, I got that lined up. But I just want to read this out for our audio only, so that can uh, hear the message that uh, the uh, the public safety minister uh, put out on the day that yeah. like. Vancouver Island was completely washed out from mainland Canada. So our government is concerned about the health, safety, and well-being of those workers as the obstruction on the roads prevent access in and out of the work sites. The right to protest does not extend to criminal actions. Over the past three years, the Coastal Gasoline Project has been under construction and providing jobs and economic opportunities for thousands of people across northern British Columbia, including First Nations communities. The Coastal Gas Link project has all the permits necessary for the work currently underway, and the project is now over 50% complete. More than $1.25 billion has been invested in British Columbia to date, which includes more than $1 billion being awarded to Indigenous-owned businesses or joint venture partnerships. Coastal Gas Link has project, has project agreements with all 20. Uh, and just to point out, like when he says that there's uh, there's uh, the workers that are trapped, it's a lot, it's over 500 right. workers stranded behind right. blockades. Yeah, and um, the uh, I don't know. Well, they you... told them that they're like, Lee, get out, we're gonna do this. If you don't get out, we're gonna blockade it. And they yeah. chose to stay. Uh, did you, did you see? So, uh, so I'm not sure if you follow the um, the Twitter account for the uh, the Gitsum, then uh, Gitsum. I'm, I'm sorry if I get this messed up, but every time I try to pronounce it without practicing at first, I always screw it up, and I'm very sorry about that. But the uh, the uh, the good. The Gitsimtan uh, checkpoint. Gitsimtan is it? Is that how it's Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Gitsimtan check. Jesus Christ. Gitsimtan checkpoint. Yeah. Uh, out. Out. Uh, you know what we uh, we traditionally think of as a BC, but it, again, is not. Um, it's sovereign territory and doesn't belong to British Columbia. But uh, 
But the RCMP are blocking food and medical supplies from the uh, the West Sowetan homes. So uh, whether it's, uh, you know, people from within the nation or people who are, uh, you know, practicing good uh, comradeship and sending food, sending med- medical supplies, sending like things like socks, you know, like, uh, you know, thermal socks, uh, gloves, blankets, et cetera. And if you go to the, uh, the Gidimton, um, oh, I got it, uh, the Gidimton Checkpoint Twitter account, um, they often tweet out yeah. the Amazon wish list. So basically, if you want to, you know, support, uh, if you want to support folks out there who are defending land, um, if you go to the other uh, website that's on their, uh, that's on their profile, uh, there's a, uh, on the, on the website in the upper right hand corner, there's a wish list. You click on the Amazon wish list and it tells you all, like everything they need, you know, so things like, um, like I said, uh, wool socks, mittens, rain gear, uh, pre-made nutritious foods, uh, that is like prepackaged foods. Is that, is that the yeah, link get, into get to access? access. Still can't drive? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, so, so folks have been, um, buying items from the wish list and, and trying to send it out to, uh, land defenders and the RCMP is blocking access. So if you're, which I'm not even sure what legality that falls under. Like I would very much like to speak to um, a, a Canadian lawyer, especially like a civil rights lawyer about whether the RCMP has any right to do mm-hmm. this, but yeah, they're stopping people from delivering goods out there. Yeah, I don't, it's the, the, the Canadian government, the RCMP is doing siege warfare on an, uh, on an, like an indigenous, uh, like, like camp. Basically, that's what that's what that's right. it. That's what it is. You're cutting off their their uh, supply lines, so that you you're, you're they're being besieged literally. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're basically setting up a siege um, for those land defenders. And this isn't um, just for people who are sending uh you know good, sending supplies, sending goods uh, to help them in the course of their land defense. I mean, these are goods that are being ordered by members of that nation. Period. You know what I mean? Like. You know, for people who are going into and out of um, that sovereign territory mm-hmm. and simply like going about their daily business, yeah, they are being essentially besieged by the RCMP. And again, I, w- I would very much like to know like what the ins and outs are on as to the legality of this. I'm not a lawyer myself. I would just like to know like under what under what uh, law or what right do they have to do this? Mm-hmm. Because I don't. It, it's. I was trying to rack my brains on what they could probably could possibly justify it with but it's like the, you can't you it's it, there's nothing it's, pretty, it's pretty much but like whatever I, they want to do it's the same thing as the rcmp officers who are just strolling right into the camps and strolling right into the territory and uh when land defenders are like hey this land doesn't belong to you you can't just be here and sitting in front of them the rcmp officers mm-hmm. were just pushing them out of the way and you know cracking jokes about yeah. hey lord i want to see this hit twitter where they call us a bunch of fascists it's like because you are fucking fascists you can't just Stroll onto somebody else's sovereign territory because you feel like it, uh, and then I'm not exactly sure what they were doing there. I don't know if like they considered that surveillance or intelligence gathering or whatever. To me, it just seemed like we're doing this because we can flex. Mm-hmm. You know, we we want to flex and we can't. So we're just going to go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the fact, yeah, like the fact that it's and that they keep the one with the public minister's comment. They're like, "Well, we've already spent this much money and built so much of it," and it's like that's not a just not yeah that is that's a you problem. Yeah. The amount of money it's that like you I'm, I'm going to take it. half of your backyard, and I've already spent two like two hundred thousand dollars making my water slide. So you can't stop me from taking. I've already <laughs> built half the water slide. Come on, you're being unreasonable. Right. 
Right, right. Like that's that has nothing to do with me. That's got everything to do. If you went ahead and spent that money, that had nothing to do with me. I didn't. I didn't tell you to go ahead and spend that money, but if you wouldn't spend $200,000 building a water slide that you intended to go through my backyard, and now because of all that sunk cost, you want to push me off of the land that belongs to me, and and be, uh, you, you think that mm-hmm. the alternative is that I just get off of my own land rather than you build around it, that, that's not my fucking problem. But apparently, if you, you know, if uh, you mm-hmm. stamp some documents with the uh the the will of the crown on it that makes it completely legal yeah and when you consider the size of most of these like indigenous territories in comparison to the rest of canada it kind of almost seems intentional that you would run it through like that they're being run through like the fact that you you're it's doing this 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 big pipeline and you still managed to hit the the tiny little territory that wasn't yours (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Does that not say, does that, that not speak to a certain degree of intention? Mm-hmm. It seems very unlucky, if not, or lucky, depending on who you're asking. Um, yeah. But, and, but yeah, and by the way, but, still, still, can't, still can't drive. Do not worry about spamming the chat. Like, you know, if people are participating in the chat and they're providing like information and context for uh, folks in the chat that we're not, like, I'm not, I'm not worried about that. As a matter of fact, I completely encourage it. Anything that we like, Miss in the course of like trying to get simple points across, but don't have time to get into in full context. If you want to contextualize that for the chat, I mean, <laughs> feel free. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna fault you for it. Yeah. Some sometimes when I'm like modding on Mondays, I'll look at the chat and there's like a completely parallel sort of conversation going on right. that is almost as equally uh, entertaining. I'm not gonna say it is because like that's why you guys are on the show, but it is very. It's it's a it's, it's informative. A good thing. It's a good yeah. thing that that's happening in chat. I'm cool with that. Um, and for anybody who's in the yeah. uh, the call room, if you go to uh, twitch.tv forward slash the culture with a K, the culture.tv, just like you see for this room. So twitch.tv forward slash the culture dot TV, uh, you will actually um, be able to see the stream as well as uh, hear it. Um, and for anybody that's in chat, if you want to hop into the call in room, you can also uh, hop, you know get into the conversation with us if you want to speak to Stu and myself. And for anybody that's already in the call in room, if you want to ask yeah. us questions, I mean, feel free to put your hand up and, and hop up on stage. Um, anything that I can answer, I definitely will, to the best of my knowledge. Anything that I can't, I will definitely table it and come back to it in a future conversation. We're doing drive time, calling radio. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. We're, man, yeah, man. We, we've had, we basically had uh, this this app uh, reinvent AM call on radio, and I, I think it's, it's absolutely fantastic. Oh, hang on a second. We've actually got somebody who wants to have a conversation. One sec. Oh, hell yeah. All right. Uh, looks like we've got Andrew up on stage. Andrew, you have a question for us. Yeah. How's it going, guys? Good, good. So, uh, listen, hey. I'm not Canadian, um, but I, I'm, you know, I'll, I'll listen to just about anything. And so I've, I've enjoyed your chat so far. And I was going to say a couple of things uh, from the perspective of a, of a Texan. Uh, one, flooding is terrible. I live in Houston. I don't know uh, if you guys saw coverage of this back in 2017. We had Hurricane Harvey go through. And like at my house, I mean, we got somewhere Mm -hmm. around 40 inches. You'll have to do the the conversion to centimeters. But 40 inches of rain in a two-day period uh, at my house is crazy. I've just never seen anything like it. Uh, Flooding is just horrific. 
and scary. So uh, obviously, we hope everyone out that way is uh, is okay uh, as much as possible. Now, the other thing, as I was listening to you talk about the the land back stuff, that was really interesting to me was to hear a lot of parallels with uh, complaints that I hear from people about the the idea of reparations for uh, slavery in the U.S., which is, you know, kind of this whole thing of, well, you know, I'm not the one responsible for that in 2021. I didn't do anything wrong kind of stuff. And what it ignores is that what we're really talking about is the sin of a country, not, not you as an individual person. And those countries persist to this day. And so it doesn't matter that you weren't alive back then. Like we're the, we're collectively the beneficiary of actions that our, our nation that we belong to did way back when. And so if there's something that needs to be done today to um, compensate people uh, to some degree, which I mean, obviously, I think most people that are reasonable would say uh, you can't fully compensate people for running them off their uh, their property uh, and certainly taking their lives like you can't ever fully compensate people for those things. But like the question is, what is what do we do moving forward uh, when we see that there are groups of people that continue to be marginalized over a long period of time, and we can see so much of that rooted in things that happened, you know, in some cases, 300, 400 years ago. But again, this is, it's the sin of the nation, not, not an individual person. And I think that that's one of the things that's so hard for people to wrap their heads around is like, when they hear these things, they're saying like, well, I'm not a bad person. So like, why should I be punished for this? And uh, I think it is one of those uh, unfortunate parts of uh, Western culture in general being so um, so focused on individuals that that's how we process almost anything that comes up. So anyway, uh, yeah, thanks for the chat. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. Yeah, just to, uh, if anybody hadn't uh, completely um, gotten the, uh, the, the conversation, I, you know, the, the, the question is, what do we do uh, with regards to people who say, hey, this isn't my problem. I wasn't around for any of that. Um, you know, I, I wasn't alive when, when slavery happened. It's why should it be my responsibility? Or I might, you know, my family wasn't even in America when that happened. Why is this my responsibility? And then the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the answer to that is, well, how on the one hand can you accept the hereditary benefits that have accrued uh, to American capitalism, right? So pretty much the, uh, you know, the, the, the entire basis uh, for the current American project um, has, has been built on the back of slavery and uh, land theft and genocide. It's the very same thing for Canada, where we, we talk about, you know, how great we are as a nation and how progressive we are, and that we have, you know, worked through right historical wrongs, et cetera, even as those wrongs that are not even necessarily historical are still taking place. But the answer to that is, well, you're, you're still, you're living off of the avails of genocide. You're living off of the avails of land theft. You're living off of the avails of, of mass indigenous theft that was deliberately caused um, by Canadians. You know, if you ever read the book, for example, uh, you know, Clearing the Plains, like you, you will see the extent to which like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, forced starvation and inflicted disease played in, in, in killing off 
you know, tens of thousands of indigenous people um, absolutely destroying and, and uh, destroying food supplies, uh, you know, redesigning the, uh, the ecosystem and, and the food chain to make it uh, suitable for, uh, you know, takeover by, by Canadian settlers. So if you if you're comfortable living off of the avails of those historical wrongdoings, then you should also be comfortable with the possibility of righting those historical wrongs. And that's more than simply just offering an apology and saying that you're committed to, quote unquote, reconciliation and, and then doing absolutely nothing about that. But that means taking action, like having having a material basis for reconciliation rather than simply words. So it's got nothing to do with whether you and your family were here. It's got everything to do with whether you benefit from all of that right now. Mm-hmm. And like this might be a bit of a reductive uh, analogy, but it's the proceeds of a crime. If a crime occurs and say like a, someone steals a big ass like TV from a storefront and they find out that you that you were given the TV, you have to give that fucking TV back. So right. if land was stolen. It's the, pro, the the land is and th- that wealth in the same way with like with uh, like reparations and slavery. Like you could also just argue that it, in a very reductive way, it's like the largest unpaid uh, income uh, case in the history of the planet, with like more people like with unpaid wages for centuries of work than has like ever been seen. Uh, there, there are like there's no reason to get as, as the, the caller was saying to get defensive about it there is something that was done that was wrong that needs to be like if, if you found out that like you were working for a company and that company had been paying like wages to like half the employees for like their entire existence would you feel like it's your like like and then those those employees demanded the wages they were owed would you feel like you're being attacked when they demand that? You shouldn't. You should be like, right. no, they deserve what they're owed. They deserve. Yeah. Why, like, and, first of all, why would you be taking it personal? If you if you think it has nothing to do with you, why are you taking it personally anyway? That's between you know indigenous mm-hmm. people and the crown. You know, it's between indigenous people and the government. It's got nothing to do with you whatsoever. So, where where is your stake here? You know what I mean? Well, it's coming out of our tax dollars. Well, fuck you. You're you know the the yeah. the benefit that you have. For your taxes being what they are has to do almost entirely with this uh you know this this great theft and and uh, acts of genocide and to say that they shouldn't be recompensed or, or repaired because you're worried about your fucking tax dollars i'm sorry but i'm just mm-hmm. i don't care <laughs> you know what i mean yeah it's it's yeah and, and like going back to the like why are you concerned about land back if you don't own land if you're renting an apartment why are you concerned about land back it's like a, yeah. like unless you're one of there are a couple of families I'm, I'm assuming in the south where they if they actually did reparations those people might need to worry about their assets but for the average like uh, american or canadian they, they they don't think they have much to be concerned about from either of these two things i don't i can't think of any specifically yeah um and uh, but, sorry go ahead go ahead oh i was gonna i was gonna loop us back to uh the uh the blockade but if you had something to say no 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 that's uh that was pretty much it i mean as far as the, uh, the blockade is concerned like i very much encourage people uh to go to uh yint uh yinta uh, access sorry yinta access.com uh, which i'll drop into the chat and uh yeah if you Y-I-N-T-A-H. Yep, I've just dropped it into the chat. So yeah, yintaaccess.com. 
forward slash wishlist. And if there are any goods that you would like to, um, you know, purchase and pass on to Indigenous land defenders uh, at the uh, Gettinson checkpoint, um, like I said, they're looking for like, uh, you know, wool socks, mittens, work gloves, um, you know, uh, gear to uh, to keep the rain off of themselves. Because I mean, like it is it is snowing, but it's also very rainy. And uh, getting people like, uh, um, you know, overcoats and uh, and, and, and uh, snow pants and so on that can actually like wick the, the rain away. Um, you know, and also foods, you know, like sitting, sitting out there the entire day, uh, obviously like people are like, you know, cooking with like provisional, uh, stoves and campfires and so on. So, you know, food that is prepackaged that people can actually make, um, camp supplies like, uh, headlamps, uh, batteries, USB storage drives is incredibly important, especially if they are filming, you know, uh, you know, uh, human rights crimes or illegal acts by the RCMP, um, on their phones or on their cameras. Um, and, if those devices are seized, uh, you know, making sure that they can download all of that video evidence to USB drive so that they can be passed on to the press. Uh, rope, tarps, fire extinguishers, water purifiers, uh, portable wood stoves, dried foods, root vegetables, herbal medicines, coconut oil. Very important, especially if you're out camping. Bulk oils uh, and also tools like chainsaw parts, chainsaws, skill saws, chop saws, because they are building the, the, uh, the roadblocks and they're carrying all of the tools out with them to uh, to make these roadblocks uh, at the checkpoints. They don't make the roadblocks and bring them out to the checkpoints and making it while they're there. Chargers, generators, outdoor extension cords, etc. So if you go to uh, yintaaccess.com, uh, the wish list does allow you to purchase those items off of Amazon. And you can also make e-transfers to them directly. Uh, so that if you, if you let's say, don't feel good about sending goods through Amazon, I, I completely understand that. You can just uh, make an e-transfer to them directly uh, and they can purchase the goods at their local hardware stores, etc. Yeah. So, uh, like with the the RCMP, that's very clearly what the like whatever their justification for it is. It's very clearly it's just retaliation for uh, what the 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 they did on. I think this was yesterday, or no, this video mm-hmm. may have just been posted yesterday. But uh, I'll throw it up. We don't want to put my whole screen on anymore because we don't need it. Um, yeah, and this is it was it's pretty. Uh, powerful move yeah yep that's right january 4 2020 uh cgl coastal mm-hmm. gas okay so monday yep no that's sunday uh the 14th yeah that was sunday yeah sunday, sunday. Yeah. sunday. the order sunday. for eviction from the uh, the wet sweat and hereditary chiefs was enforced and uh they evicted uh they evicted uh workers and equipment um uh, from coastal gas link off of the land which is like again, is there mm-hmm. if you're parking your your backhoe on my property to build your water slide through my property, and I say get the fuck off, and I evict your equipment and your workers off of my property, that is fully within my rights. And you apparently yeah. leave the backhoe, you leave the backhoe with the keys in there <laughs> so that it can just be turned on by anybody. <laughs> exactly. You know. Um. Here's, do, do we want to talk about Cuba or do we want to save that until next week? I mean, we can talk about it a little bit. We'll just got we'll just got to do the Canada angle. What's the Canada angle? Uh, well, the, now I don't know that there has been a uh, foreign uh, foreign affairs um, bulletin on the Cuban quote unquote protest. Did you see how that went? The Cuban protest, how it like it, it basically was just uh, like one dude and it completely fizzled like a out. lead balloon is how it went. <laughs> Yeah, it was a, it was basically one dude um, that planned on on mm-hmm. having a uh, a U.S. supported 
protest movement across Cuba. Uh, and it was funny how like uh, CNN chose to cover it as though that there were people uh, across the, uh, the island of Cuba um, marching in solidarity with one another. But what they were actually showing was people marching in Miami and nobody actually showed up to this rally in Cuba. And uh, did you see? Uh, oh, wait, sorry. No, no, no. Go, go ahead. ahead. Go, no, you go ahead. You go ahead. Because I, I feel like you're going to say what I'm about to say. Uh, was it the MSNBC tweet? Uh, no, I missed that. I was about to talk about um, Junior no, Garcia. Okay. Sorry, Ar- Archipelago Junior Garcia, who was the uh, the architect of oh, yeah, the yeah. quote unquote protest movement, uh, boarded a flight for Spain today. Right. So, you know, he uh, he he. he I guess the protests didn't go over all that well and didn't feel welcome on the island anymore. So he packed his bags and ski daddled. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I just want to show you this, uh, the MSNBC one and see if you can recognize sure. uh, the, the gentleman in the photo. Oh, you, it'll, it'll give it away. Cause no, I have to hide it. So you can't, all right. Cause I want you to see if you, cause you'll probably recognize this gentleman. Is it? There you are. No, you're not. You're having, a, you're having a hard time over there? I couldn't find the tab and now it's frozen. Okay. No, it's all good. Uh, is, all... is it uh, Is it somebody, is it uh, Pablo Ramos? Yeah. Oh, God. The MSNBC Snapchat using the, using the president's Paolo picture. Pablo Ramos. Uh, for Cuba's, uh, vice, yeah, yeah, vice, vice contributor. Um, Jesus, should we should we go into the background of uh, Paula and uh, her family? Sure. Um, as soon as my uh, my Google Chrome starts responding, but okay. I can still hear you. So let's just keep chatting. Okay. So, uh, Vice News, which has long been, um, I, I guess like Vice positions themselves as sort of like a a counterculture, um, you know, uh, and 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 like intrepid uh, site for young journalists to go out and tell the real stories that establishment media is not telling. And then they end up replicating exactly the same dynamics, if not worse than they were in the first place. I, I, and I would say in, in a lot of ways worse because like, you know, MSNBC doesn't even pretend uh, to not take the side of U.S. imperialism. Um, CNN doesn't, the New York Times doesn't, the Washington Post doesn't. Like all of, all of these organizations exist to reify U.S. imperialism. So. Um, Paula Ramos uh, is the daughter of Jorge Ramos. You might remember Jorge Ramos from an infamous interview with um, Nicolas Maduro. Wait, that was that's who that yes. is that that girl that was yes, down there. That's, Holy... Her dad is the the dude that uh, that Nicolas Maduro during an interview said, "You're not a fucking like you're not a journalist." You know? <laughs> yeah. So. His daughter is basically. You're not a journalist, Jorge. Yeah, 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 yeah. So his daughter was uh, basically, you know, trying to run a little little vice op, um, going into Cuba and talking about, uh, you know, the the uh, the widespread discontent that Cuban uh, Cubans have um, for their government, and essentially a- interviewing a hell of a lot of people uh, with ties to Miami or in Miami proper, uh, and in my opinion, utterly failing to make a convincing case as to why the United States should be poking ourselves into Cuba's business. Period. Well, this is this is from a Snapchat screenshot of uh, Cubans demanding uh, Cubans demanding basic freedoms. I don't know okay. if I can recognize who this guy is. Oh, wait, who? Oh, wait, no, I'm not. Who is that? I don't know who that is. Uh, that's Cuba's president, Miguel Diaz. Oh my God! Are you? 
<laughs> Hold on a second. Okay, so if you're in the call-in room, you can't see this. But there's an MSNBC tweet, okay, uh, that uh, shows... Uh, well, this was a Snapchat a graphic. Snapchat, okay, yeah, a Snapchat the... graphic that was posted on the MSNBC site, okay, uh, with, uh, you know, a crowd of people um, that are apparently demanding um, basic freedoms, okay? And then there's one gentleman, because uh, somebody pointed this out, and, and he was masked up. Head center. Uh, yeah, there's a, a Cuban gentleman um, that uh, I wasn't able to make out his face. Uh, he's wearing a, first of all, he's wearing a Che Guevara t shirt. He's wearing a Che he's shirt, yeah. Che it's, just, which, it's blocked out by the demanding basic, basic freedoms, freedoms uh, slogan. Pyron, yeah. But, but I can recognize a Che, che t shirt, like the very top of it when I see one. So, but he's got a mask on and I didn't recognize him by face. I should have recognized him by his hair. But uh, that's actually uh, Miguel Diaz-Canel, who is the president of Cuba. Apparently, the president of Cuba, according to MSNBC, is out at a Cuban protest demanding basic freedoms from the Cuban government. What the fuck, man? Remember during the SOS Cuba protest? He's, he's, oh, if you well, if you can't see, he's wearing a giant hot dog costume. He's saying, "I can't. Let's. I can't wait till we he's, find he's out who's responsible for this." For this. Yeah, we're we're trying to find out who's responsible for this. Um, there's. There's uh, you remember the SOS uh, Cuba tweets that MSNBC was putting up, and yeah, they did this last time too. The last time the SOS Cuba, uh, the like you know the the uh, the fake protests were happening, um, there was uh, pictures of Cubans that were supposedly out marching in the name of Cuban freedom. Okay, and there was a lady who was pictured among the quote unquote protesters. It actually turns out it was a counter protest against those uh, those uh, U.S. funded op protesters and a lady who uh, very much uh, was against her picture being used that way, got on Twitter and said, hey, I'm actually for the Cuban government. How dare you use my picture this way? I don't give you permission for this. And then Twitter deleted her account, suspended her. And all she said was, I'm actually marching in support of the Cuban government. I don't want that picture being used this way. They fucking got rid of her. They got her out of here. Yeah, yeah. The Twitter dis twi the the Twitter Sandinista disappeared. Her. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, I mean, that's about as seriously as I take this shit. Uh, so, you know, we 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 probably are going to get into this next week Monday on uh, the Culture TV. Um, I think like this is a pretty good place to uh to to, to wind mm -hmm. down and uh, uh leave this off for for next week Wednesday when we come back with uh the the cannot cast but any closing thoughts you have there Stu? oh yeah um i just it's just very interesting how i've noticed in the past couple years, especially with covid and now with all the stuff happening in bc where it's just sort of it's all kind of happening at once and it's been kind of i think there's there's a we're going to get to a point where like we don't really we don't have any sort of legitimacy to sort of uh make these sort of claims like i wonder why uh, the right wing in Canada is so confident in just anytime there's an election that happens, they don't like the result of it. They just go, well, this is illegitimate. Yeah. illegitimate. It was stolen. Where did they get that from? Well, I learned it from watching you, Christopher Freeland. Um, <laughs> oh my God. When we come out with our, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm talking to uh, Dan Buckner as well as a couple of other people uh, on putting together a comprehensive um, you know, a, a comprehensive story on the history of Christian Freeland. And we're not just talking about her neo-Nazi or sorry, her Nazi supporting 
grandfather, we're talking about the actual material support of neo-Nazis in Eastern Europe, particularly in Ukraine, in the uh, Donetsk, uh, the Azov, and the uh, the Donbass mm-hmm. regions. I mean, the you, talking about this stuff, you said like it, it, I feel like a crazy person when I explain to people like, no, our deputy prime minister is actually supporting Ukrainian fascists and neo-Nazis, and that. The Canadian forces have uh, have actually mm-hmm. been worried about the fact that they could be they could be found out to be collaborating with neo Nazis. Like that's not that's not a conspiracy theory. They have been found yeah, out. That's it's... not a conspiracy theory. That's not like uh, you know connecting way too many dots. That's not Charlie Day standing in front of a uh, you know like a, a wool yarn and uh, papier mache diagram posted up in his his, his bedroom somewhere. No, this actually fucking happened. Like it's been documented. Yeah. David um, Pugliese has all of the documents. Just the ask Ottawa him. citizens. Yeah, the Ottawa citizens. David Pugliese, who is one of the most badass journalists in this country, has been documenting this for years. And yeah, we're going to be putting this all together. I can't say exactly when because we're still working on it and pulling all the information together before we do pull the trigger on this. But trust me, it's coming. And I'm I'm not shocked that Canadian media is ignoring this, but I am shocked to the extent uh, the extent to which. People who normally are um, skeptical at the very best of Canadian media have not been picking up and running with this story. Mm-hmm. Or downright just denying it as uh, Russian propaganda. Shout out Justin Ling again. Weird how your name keeps coming up in all these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but regardless, you know, I just uh, do just want to thank you for uh, for hopping on and 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 uh, doing and, and you know yeah, the you know, podcast is going to be a, a regular Wednesday thing. I mean, today was a bit of a one off in terms of the time because I had some administrative work to do in advance of my uh, pending nuptials. So sorry for uh, for coming in so late, but uh, yeah, you can expect this on a regular basis on Wednesday.